Welcome back to another episode where we are reading scary stories. Don't worry, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to try to use like a fake deep voice or anything. I'm just going to use my regular deep voice because it's so deep and, and dark and mysterious and shit. And it's only going to break sometimes. I'm just going to like, because <clears throat> I'm going through puberty currently, so it's only going to crack <clears throat> sometimes. So don't worry about that. But we're going to explore this scary time stories subreddit or I don't know. It's from scary stories. So people, they claim that these stories are real, that they're true. Um, some of them sound true. Others, eh, a little hard to believe. Just take everything with a grain of salt. Obviously, you know, there's like a, a mage level five in this. And then there's like someone who, who had a talking toy and someone who, you know, was chased by coyotes, which that's the plausible scary one. You'll, you'll be able to pick them out, you know, which is the plausible one. But the one who was definitely real, in my opinion, was the ghost one. And you'll see which one that is. Yeah, let's get into it. This next post is from Slanty the Shrub, the witch toy. About 10 years ago for Halloween, my mom bought me a cute little witch toy. It stood and it danced and it talked. If you switched her on, it would respond with some phrases like, are you a witch? And where's your cat? Now, this is something I need you to understand. This creature that was in the toy was clearly from the deepest, darkest corners of hell. I, I swear, it started to develop a conscience or, or something. I don't even know how it was powered. It had no battery port or anything. You see, my sister thought it was cool, but I didn't think so. I was just jealous that my toy didn't work properly, and hers did. So. I took the toy and I broke off the arms, the legs, and the nose. My sister started to cry, but suddenly the toy started to cry as well. Well, it was more like heavy breathing and sniffing. Of course, we were scared, so we threw it in the bin. I apologized to it and everything and got told off and whatnot. The next morning, we found her on the breakfast bar, glued back together with fake blood all over her. My dad thought it would be a funny story for next Halloween, so he fixed it, made it look scary, and put it back in the attic. Well, that was a big mistake. He couldn't have been more wrong. A couple months passed, and we forgot about it, but the devil spawn clearly never forgot. One random night, we heard the witch's dialogue in the attic, as if it was talking to someone. My dad went up there, expecting to find it in the Halloween box, but it wasn't there. He gave up looking for it, and went back to bed. Hours later, you could hear it talking again, but louder. We listened at the bottom of the steps, trying to figure out what it was saying. It wasn't saying anything that it was programmed to say, at least according to the box it came in. It mentioned the mountains. You see, we lived at the bottom of a mountain. The second my dad's foot touched the ladder, it just stopped talking. We all went up as fast as we could, but we couldn't find it. That was the last thing we heard from it. Fast forward five years, we move across the road to a nicer house with a bigger garden, bigger rooms, all that stuff. We cleared out everything from the old house, including the attic, and we moved it across the road. The old house was empty and there was nothing left in the attic. I checked and I made sure it wasn't there. The new owners moved in the next day and within an hour, they were knocking on our door. 
After introducing themselves, they explained they found this little toy in the attic, and they handed over the witch, still covered in fake blood. I might be making this up, but I swear it had a different facial expression on it. It was covered in dust, and it looked a bit chewed. We threw it out instantly, out of fear. Those owners got divorced, and no one lives at that house anymore. Until last year, we now call it the Witch House. Well, that is a damn creepy story, OP. Like, like a two out of five. Like a solid two out of five on the scary scale. Because you know what? I believe it. Could have happened. Logic says that it was a malfunctioning toy, but you know, according to legends and, and mythology, it could have been a, a spirit, I guess, you know? Apparently, they like to latch on to things, personal possessions and whatnot. I don't know where your mom bought that toy, but it could have been a probably a Goodwill. Yeah, don't buy things at Goodwill. You don't know where they came from. This next story is from Bernd Schmidt. This is the horrific result of eating dirt. I asked my cousin if she ever had any bizarre or interesting stories working as a surgical assistant. Not only had I not expected to hear anything interesting enough to post here, but in truth, I never imagined I'd hear anything as horrendous as this. I actually started to get ill typing it up. Brace yourself, folks. My cousin is a surgical technician who works in the intensive care unit. They got a patient back in 2010 who was a level one on the emergency severity index. You see, level ones are people in need of the most immediate life-saving care. In short, they're the most important patients in the hospital, though to admit that goes against our code of ethics. You see, they had a man wheeled in on a ventilator, and his skin was jaundice yellow, with odd patches of blue. Not only that, but he was projectile vomiting blood. It truly looked like something out of a zombie film. He was covered in dirt with a long white beard, thin as bone. Ribs were visible as a skeleton and sunburnt all over. He was screaming that his stomach was going to burst, while intermittently crying out for his mother, whom he said he could see in the room. Not only did he have something life-threatening occurring, but he was also hallucinating. The man stunk like anything I've ever smelled. We all used smelling salts as if he were already a rotting corpse. We asked him what he'd eaten, and in between unintelligible mutterings, he said that he eats dirt. It's all I can eat. I'm homeless, he said. We immediately gave him an abdominal x-ray. And what should have been normal and dark came up as white inside of his lungs as well. We immediately put him under and started performing a partial gastrectomy after a scope which indicated a compaction of undigested earth. Various tests were done to see how much buildup was in his lungs, but by this time, they'd filled up with blood. He died on the surgical table. Unfortunately, dirt goes in like dust, some going into the lungs and the rest into the intestines. Though we can't perform an autopsy in the ER, we did a full abdominal and intestinal scope. His guts, from his abdominal cavity all the way to his esophagus, was not only filled with rotting, undigested earth, but forging through it were literal earthworms. There were maybe a hundred earthworms or more. This guy was a six-foot deep corpse, even when he was alive. They'd made a home inside of this guy's entire insides, and his lungs as well. The fact that he'd lived so long and he was able to breathe was some sort of divine coincidence. The coroner, he said his insides were a worm farm, 
and days after the man had died, they were still alive and cohabitating. He even said that they'd been breeding and birthed babies, like, like some sort of death's due. He'd also formed an army of tapeworms, intermingling with the other worms, eating each other. The tapeworms were actually attacking the earthworms, and ridden all through him were chunks of worm guts. It was a fucking feeding frenzy. No wonder he felt like he was going to burst. His stomach had stretched to twice its normal size. Had he lived, three quarters of his stomach would have been needed to be removed, and anything more than a few green beans could have torn the tiny ball his stomach now was in half. Never in my life have I witnessed something so gut-wrenching. So please, everyone, if you are truly starving, find a food kitchen or shelter. Do not chow down on the parasite-infested earth. Poor guy. That must have been a truly painful way to die. R.I.P. dude. This next post is from Prestige Golden. Strange man chases me. When I was 12, I liked going into the woods behind our house. We lived in a very quiet area. We would drive for 15 minutes before we saw another house by. We had probably six anchors, just forest behind us. The forest was strange. It had weird things in it, such as nails and trees and random metal objects on the ground, etc. Well, one day I went into the woods and I would just usually walk north, but this time I wanted to walk east. So I did. The east seemed way stranger, like way stranger than the rest of the forest. I saw dead rabbits, birds, even a dead bear. At this point I was scared, and it was getting late, so I decided to go back home. I turned around and walked about 10 feet, and then I started hearing movement in a bush. I turn around and I don't see anything. So, I shrug it off as a bird or, or maybe a squirrel. I kept walking, and I kept hearing noises, so I walked faster, and I was getting really scared. Then I hear a loud, thumping footsteps behind me, getting closer and closer. I turn around for a quick second, and I see a man, probably six foot five, running after me. He only had one strip of clothing around his waist, similar to Tarzan, and he had three teeth in his mouth, at most. He was scarred and bruised everywhere on his body. I start bolting, probably the fastest I've ever run, and that's saying something because I do track now. He was gaining on me, and right before it looked like he was about to get me, I came out of the woods. I ran back to our porch and looked back, and he was nowhere to be seen. I ran in and I told my parents everything. They didn't believe me, well, until they saw the huge scratch on the back of my neck. I still have that scar today. I must have got scratched right before I got out of the woods because that was the closest he got to me. I didn't even feel it. We moved later out of that house. Thank God. Well, OP, I'm glad Tweaker George of the Jungle did not get you. Well, that's what you get for exercising. Hey, I know what that's like. Once I went out and I was attacked by a pig. And I was like, eh, no, I'd just rather be fat. Fat and safe on the computer. Wonderful life. This next post is from Max Morden. 
My story started back in 2018. It was my last year of high school during that time, and like everyone else, I just wasted my time browsing the internet to alleviate my boredom. And that's when I stumbled upon the idea of quantum jumping. I joined a small subreddit specialized in something called dimensional shifting. According to that sub, we travel to 100, 100 different dimensions every second, and we don't even realize it. We're unaware. By using their rituals, we can project our desire into the universe and let it shift us into the dimension where we can fulfill that desire. I could already tell this story sounds like it's full of shit, but he already hooked me in with a dimensional shifting. So let's continue forward. They all sounded too good to be true, like a superstitious belief that someone made up to cope with their shitty life. Needless to say, I was extremely skeptical about it and took everything on that sub with a grain of salt, but still decided to try the ritual out of boredom. What is the worst that can happen? That's what I thought. The first few attempts of the ritual, which included sticking two pieces of sticky notes onto two glasses of water and drinking them, all ended in failure. So, I chalked the whole thing up to some placebo thing a bunch of hippies came up with and forgot about it. Well, that was until 2019 came. So, so two sticky notes on, on two glasses of water and drinking it, that, that didn't work? Really? That didn't boost you in some alternate dimension? Jesus Christ. Opie, if, you, if you're going to tell this story, this clearly bullshit made up story, come up with a ritual that sounds real, okay? Here, you know, let me do it for you. Let me, let me rewrite this for you. One second, let me do this. The first few attempts of the ritual, which included sticking my dick in a toaster, it didn't work. Of course it didn't work. A bunch of hippies came up with it. Well, I guess supposedly they thought the electrical frequencies would electrocute and bind with the molecular energy from your DNA and shift you into a dimension where you could fulfill your desires. I guess that's just a theory. A crapshoot. It didn't work. So, what was I to do? I pulled my dick out of the toaster and I just forgot about it until about 2019. That's when everything changed. <laughs> it was around 10am on that fateful night. Fateful night, sorry. Not faithful. Fateful night. I was playing in my living room, <laughs> as one does, while my parents were busy sending my sister's in-laws home. But just five minutes after, I heard the sound of my front gate opening. It was a thumb sound, like someone just crashed their car. You know that sound? Like when you're thumb, and it sounds just like a car being crashed? Yeah, that sound. Thumb sound. In front of our house is a road, so... Many crashes are not uncommon, you realized. I realized. Out of curiosity, I got up on my couch and I headed out to the front yard, where I found my father looking to the right side of the house. I asked him what happened, and he just told me to get back inside. Oh, you meant thump sound. Thump, not thumb. That makes more sense. Okay, let's just pretend I said thump, okay? I, of course, didn't follow and took a peek. That was when I found my dog laying on the side of the road with blood on her throat. All just five meters from my, from her, a busted motorbike with the driver trying to get up from the crash. At that point, I knew what happened and I bolted toward my dog and helped her. I brought my dog back into the house while the driver just drove away. He didn't get any major injuries. 
Her throat was bleeding out, nonstop, twitching violently, like she was desperately gasping for air. I held her in my arms for a while, but my parents pulled me into the house before things could get any worse. I locked myself in my room, not daring to look at my dogs. My dog in the eyes in her final moment. I tried to hold my mind together, but I couldn't. I could feel reality breaking apart in my very eyes, and in a stroke of desperation, my mind wandered back to the idea of dimensional jumping. I got up as fast as I could, and I began the ritual immediately of sticking my dick in the toaster, hoping for a miracle to happen. And by next morning, nothing had changed. We didn't bury her, but we let her body drift away in a nearby river so she could be free. <laughs> that was the th that was when we thought we didn't talk very much for an entire week. My mother and my sister were also very fond of her, so they were just all just trying to move on while I was still there being haunted by her images in my dreams. Unlike them, I still kept on believing the ritual would work to cope with my pain. But deep down, I know it's all just wishful thinking. However, little did I know that strange things would fall upon me soon. Skipped three days after her death. I continued with my life and went to school like usual. It was just a normal day until one of my friends called me over. I was surprised at first. Even though we were friends, she and I weren't particularly close. Most of the things we talked about were only class stuff, so seeing her calling me over was out of the ordinary. When I asked her what she wanted, she showed me a chat box from my Zalo account. Zalo is my country's version of Facebook. Well, the chat box is between her and me, but that is not possible because I left my phone at home, so there was no way I could have texted her. What are these messages? She asked. I don't know. I genuinely didn't know what was going on but one thing that I did know was that person on the other end, it wasn't me. Boop! We both jumped when the account sent another message. Do you know Max? It read. I asked for her phone and texted, Who are you? Then everything was silent. We continued and waited for a good minute until the account sent another message again. But this time, it was two voice recordings. I quickly opened them. The first one started out with a barely audible giggle, even at max volume, followed by the voice of a young girl. Max. 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 Then it cuts off completely. I'm guessing your name is Max. Okay. You're Max. Got it. The second one also started off with that giggle. <laughs> Make sure you tell him to do his homework. The account went offline after that. I put my phone down on the table and just looked at my friend. We were both confused at what just happened. I tried to rationalize it by saying that it was probably my cousin messaging me. We both agreed that it was probably that and we just went back to our seats. When I got home, I immediately asked my cousin if she was responsible for what transpired this morning. All I got was a no, both from her and my mother, who said she was playing with her friend that entire morning. I was lost and confused, dashing toward my room and turning on my phone to check the chat box. There was nothing there. Those messages I received this morning, they weren't there. Only replies from my friend's phone. 
Zalo itself didn't have a delete button for messages, so the only thing you could delete them is by revoking. But when you do this, there will be a note in the place of the message saying this message has been revoked. So deleting it was out of the window. I threw my phone onto the bed and lied down, remembering the ritual. Taking the toaster. Was it my dog trying to communicate with me? Or did my account get hacked? To this day, I still do not know. Yeah, Hopi, your dog, he wanted to make sure you do your homework, and then he giggled. <laughs> okay, so that one was clearly fake, and now that I read it, it kind of seems like it was written by a little kid, so I kind of feel like a dick for making fun of it, but you know what? You put it on Reddit, so it's, it's there for me to make fun of it, I guess. No. Respectfully, you know what? You had a great premise. Dimensional jumping. That was great. I love that. Then you had the emotional aspect, the dog dying. Great. You, you could, just, you know, the dogs die on the street, not like bleeding out and shit. Just make it die on the street next time. You know, still emotionally gripping. I can empathize with you. But then you're like, <laughs> your friend, but not a friend, but kind of a friend, you know, called you over because someone was messaging, <laughs> messaging her from like your phone that you forgot which come on who forgets their phone nowadays i don't know it's just when you're trying to pass off a story is real try to make it more real than that i mean come on but you know what still great premise interdimensional jumping fantastic roll with that man keep going this next post is from king metro car crash true story this happened when i was 17 I got a car for a few months before this. I was driving home from work and while on the road, with nothing but trees on both sides, I was 20 minutes away from my house. While driving, blasting my music, I saw a car coming at me from the wrong side of the road. I tried to swerve away, but I couldn't in time, and he hit me. Fortunately, this person wasn't going so fast, so I was fine. I was more upset because I knew my mom would be fucking pissed when she found out I crashed my car already. And I knew she wouldn't believe me if I told her that this person was driving on the wrong side of the road. I got out of my car to confront the person knowing it isn't my fault. While walking to his car, this man opens his door and sprints into the woods. I chased him, but after five minutes, it was getting dark and I was a bit scared. Keep in mind it was 8 p.m. So it was dark and the last thing I wanted to do was run in the dark thick woods at night. So. I walked back to my car pissed that this man ran away before I could get his information. I got back in my car and the car wouldn't start. My car, it was pretty old, it was a hand-me-down, so I was even more pissed. So I had no choice but to walk the rest of the way home. After about two minutes of walking, I saw a pickup truck coming closer to me. He actually stopped next to me and he said, I saw the crash back there, I'm guessing that's your car? I replied, yes it is, some guy driving on the wrong side of the road hit me, and then he ran into the woods. The man said, would you like me to please drive, <laughs> would you like me to drive you home? I replied in an excited voice, yes please. I got into his truck, told him my address, and drove off. He told me that it's dangerous to be walking alone in these parts of the night. I told him, I didn't really have a choice. My car wouldn't start. He didn't reply, he just smiled at me. It creeped me out, but I didn't think anything of it because he was just an old man. 
Plus, I was grateful that I didn't have to walk the rest of the way home. I noticed that he pasted. I noticed that he passed the exit. He replied back, I know I have to stop somewhere. At this point, I had a gut feeling that I just, I shouldn't be here, and I made a huge mistake getting into this man's car. After, I w- after a few minutes of driving, he stopped at a gas station and went inside the store connected to this gas station. I saw his phone on the dashboard and picked it up. It didn't have a passcode, thank God, so I called my mom to come and pick me up. I didn't have a phone at the time. I saw he had two missed messages. I checked them out of curiosity. Once I did, my heart stopped. The missed messages was from a contacted called Davey, and it said, I hit him, and I just ran into the woods, come now. Then it all clicked in my mind. That man hit me on purpose and texted the old man to come pick me up. I didn't waste a second, and I took his phone and I booked it out of there. I heard the old man yell, he's running! I ran faster after hearing this. I eventually made it to the main road, and I felt a bit more safe, because there's other cars and streetlights. After what felt like hours of running, I made it to my mom's house, yelling to let me in, banging on the door. She opened it and saw the look on my face was pale and just took me in and hugged me, and I explained everything. Then, I just realized that that old man had my address because I told him. At that moment, I wanted to punch myself in the face as hard as I could. Me and my mom locked all the doors in the windows and we called the police. A few days later, no one showed up at the house, but... We heard on the news that two people were a father and a son duo who would crash into people's cars and run into the woods. Once that people stopped, they would text each other and tell them that they're in the woods signaling the dad to come and offer them a ride. Once they said yes, he would kidnap these people. Turns out that he had raped and murdered several men and women. They were arrested for sexual assault, kidnapping, and murder. Still to this day, I wonder what they would have done to me if I never checked his phone. Well, that was terrifying. Um, yeah, good job using your gut instinct to get the hell out of there. Honestly, reading halfway through this, I kind of thought it was a a fake story. But it does sound kind of real, and it does sound kind of realistic that a 17-year-old would make in these kind of decisions. You know, getting out of the car, chasing someone in the woods, thinking it was their fault, and not trying to call the cops for the accident. Just making kind of bad decisions. But honestly, you made some pretty good decisions by getting out of that fucking car. So good job. Good job. Scary. Terrible. Terrible. This next post is from Bostonian, New Yorker. True story, but a long time ago. Yeah, we'll see. Me and my two friends are walking on a trail at night. We were deep in and we decided to look up if there was any hostile animals in the area. Me and my one friend were on the phone while I told the other to keep luck. As soon as we read there were coyotes in the forest, my friend calls out, I see eyes. Me and my friend on the phone looked around and were like, holy crap. We saw glistening, glowing eyes as the flashlight shined into them. We only saw the eyes, not the animal. There were like 12 eyes on us maybe six coyotes. They crept closer and closer. So, naturally, my friend's flight or fight response kicked in. They wanted to choose flight, but I told them no and to stay put. Do not turn your backs on them, I said. Walk backwards. We'll fall back in an organized way. I wanted to yell at the coyotes, but I thought it would just piss them off. 
You see, the scariest part of the situation was that they were trying to box us in. Very intelligent creatures. Luckily, there was an apartment complex at the end of the trail, and we were back to civilization. Well, OP, it sounds like your post should be on the Today I Effed Up subreddit. Today I Effed Up by exercising and almost getting eaten by coyotes. Damn, I can't even tell you how many times I got high and then went on a hike. I'm so lucky I did not get eaten by coyotes or something because I definitely would have run. I wouldn't be like, yeah, let's slowly back it up, back it up. No, I would just be like, you know, made it 10 feet and then just fucking totally torn apart. Good thing you're smart. This next post is from sadly lost my other account. Quick little background. My mom always mentioned to my siblings and I that our great grandma and our aunt had the gift of being able to communicate with spirits. She says my great grandma would help them out and she taught my aunt to do so after she said that she could see them as well. In the middle of all of our experiences, my sister confessed to me that she was able to see spirits too, but they started to scare her. She feared them more than being interested in helping them. Story time. About 10 years ago, I was experiencing a lot of supernatural things. Seeing shadows, always feeling like I wasn't alone, always felt like I was being watched. My family, with the exception of my dad, experienced some kind of encounter. My sister and brother both saw the same figure I've seen. Something was playing hide and seek with my mom. One time, when I was showering, I clearly heard someone open the door, and naturally I was like, hey, I'm showering. I peeked open with one eye because I had soap in my head, and I could have sworn I saw the door open, and at the bottom was like a white skirt dress swinging in and out. That's all I saw. I took the soap off my head and when I really opened my eyes, the door was closed. A few days later, I was washing dishes. I remember being very concentrated and mad. So I was thinking with my head tilted. And at that moment, I saw in the corner of my eye a long white dress again, standing at the distance to my left side. So I looked up and nothing was there. Fast forward a month or so, and family moved in with us, and I invited a cousin my age to sleep with me in my room. I never told her of my encounters, and then one day she tells me, I hope you don't think I'm crazy, but the other day, while I was leaving the room and in the hallway, I saw this little girl wearing a white dress and standing there. I immediately made the connection with my other experiences. At this point, I figured I wasn't imagining these things. The day before I turned 15, I went over to my sister's house for a sleepover. We had plans the next day. The night passed, and when we woke up, she confessed to me that for months, she's been experiencing being able to see ghosts. The reason she told me was because she said a ghost was following me. Apparently, as we were sleeping, she woke up and she saw, you guessed it, a little girl wearing a dress, sitting on my legs, watching me sleep. She asked her why she was there, why she was watching me, but that little girl didn't say anything. The little girl just pointed to the corner of the room. There, my sister saw a shadow of a tall man just standing there. This next post is from Goats and Roses. I don't know for sure, and I don't tend to talk about this too much. I think too much interest in this can attract attention from forces best left alone. However, 
That being said, I once worked in a museum that was housed in a former hotel built in 1890, and that had later been turned into a store and then into a museum. The front portion of the building had been remodeled, but in the back it was, how shall I put this, in original condition. It was safe, but it even had its original peeling wallpaper. The whole place was like a maze, too. It was about 8,000 square feet long with four levels and places that you had to know about to even get to. We constantly had doors opening or shutting or lights in obscure places being turned on. Many days we'd come back from lunch and called the police because the door was just standing open. Hearing people walking around was really common. One day I heard a woman's high-heeled shoes walk across the mezzanine level so clear that it came from the storage area all the way to the visitors area. An older employee said that there had been once a hearing impaired visitor who had asked him about someone walking around because she could feel the vibrations. There were also voices. Early one morning I heard a man and a woman having a conversation upstairs. I could hear voices but couldn't make out the words. I waited for someone else to arrive before I even went to work in that part of the building for the day. Occasionally, someone would hear his or her name being called, and apparently that's still happening today, from what I heard. Two of the weirdest things happened, though, after I put in an exhibit featuring items belonging to a young man who had died in his early 20s of tuberculosis in the early 1900s. This young man was an only son, and his bereaved family had saved many of his possessions. Some of his things, such as his scrapbook, rosary, portraits, and other items were on exhibit in a glass case on the second floor. After I installed the exhibit, we began to have problems with the door to the sideways stair locking itself. Finally, I got tired of going upstairs and then having to go back up and around again to another stairway. I finally just snapped and I said, bitch, stop locking the door. Then, I don't remember the door ever locking itself again. And one day when I was downstairs, I heard a horrific noise. I ran upstairs as quick as I could to see the glass case shaking. It was shaking so hard that the glass was rattling. I just stared at it. Now, yes, our building was on a main street in town. And yes, sometimes it did shake a little. But no other cases in the room were shaking at this moment. And it had never done that before. I quickly left the building and went to get someone to come back with me. That never happened again during my employment there. I was in my early 20s at the time this happened. The same age that bitch was, you know, the guy who kept locking the door, or the ghost, I should say. Sometimes I wonder if he was simply just trying to get my attention. If he were, may God grant him rest and mercy. OP, I love that you called the ghost a bitch. I mean, he kind of was being one, right? Like, he would he would mess with you, he would move stuff around, and then as soon as you went to go get someone to show them, like, hey, there's a ghost over there, he would just stop doing it and make you look like the crazy person. But, you know what, honestly, what else is there to do as a ghost than to mess with people, right? I mean, I would do the same thing. I'm not, I'm not going into that light, that bright-ass light. You know, there could be, like, hellfire at the end of that thing or maybe another vagina. I ain't doing this shit again. Hell no. No, I'll just pick someone. I would pick someone. I would. I would be like their, 
their fairy godmother, you know, except the opposite of that, like their fairy god asshole. I would like inconvenience them, you know, trip them maybe, poke holes in their condoms with like my ghost concentration powers. It would probably take a lot of concentration. Probably take a, a few hundred years to learn, but you know what? Just really, well, I mean, there probably wouldn't be condoms in the future, you know, because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why there wouldn't be condoms in the future. Maybe there's going to be like some futuristic, you know. Uh, ev no, everyone's going to have robot dicks in the future. That's why there's going to be no condoms. Um, what was I saying? How did I get to robot dicks? Because the ghost. Uh, yeah, that's what I would do. This next post is from Fat Fatty 91 My brother was staying with my husband and I for a short time. He went through a YouTube phase where he'd watch hours of magic, witchcraft, hoodoo, and conspiracy videos. One time, he was really excited to have turned a candle's flame sideways without wind or touch. He had no idea what he tapped into. I'm thinking he's just waking up to the fact that pretty much everything we're fed by the government and media are complete or partial lies. I mean, I went through the same thing in early adulthood, but it turned out it wasn't the case for him. The whole time, he's just trying to blindly draw power from a spiritual entity. Well, of course shit went haywire. Always a strange vibe in the house. Temperature changes, him chanting for hours, talking to God knows what. He claimed he levitated off the bed. Really strange noises coming from his room. The grand finale was lights flickering on and off soon after he walks into the living room with a blank and empty stare. We ask if he's okay, touching his arm. He instantly drops to the floor and starts contorting and growling. I'm freaking out at this point. I call my dad for help and he takes him to the mental hospital. To this day, the doctors claim it was undiagnosed schizophrenia which caused it. It took years for him to recover. I don't believe it. He was fine before. Wow, I guess you can learn anything on YouTube these days. Even how to be a fucking mage level five. That's crazy. And he, you know, to me, it seems like he was only a level five. So it's not that bad. He was able to recover, you know? Just next time, tell him not to fall through the interdimensional portal. That's where he fucked up. He took left at Wumbo and he didn't take a right at Albuquerque. Always take a right at Albuquerque. You do not want to fall down that black hole. Fuck no. Yeah, see, that's how you go and get your ass possessed. <sighs> what an amateur. And that is that. Thank you all, you beautiful bitches, for listening. And if you liked that, go ahead and, you know, keep on listening to all the two people that are listening. I appreciate ya. You know, I only need two people listening. That's all I need. That that satisfies the ego. And all the hours spent making these episodes, I appreciate ya. Even though it's just my brother and my girlfriend listening currently. But that's fine. You know, that that's, that's fine. I I don't need anyone else listening to the podcast. Just, just two people's fine. But you know what? It is what it is. Um, you know, it'll get bigger because I'm a tremendous, a tremendous talent. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, goodbye. These goodbyes are too long. I'll try to shorten them up. You know what? They're not. They're good rants. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye. Scary stories. Goodbye. <laughs>